Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, November 1st, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. So, Brad, we got a bunch of trailers today. I wanted to start off uh, taking a look at those and giving our reactions. We, we got the the first trailer for the Book of Boba Fett. This is the Star Wars series on Disney Plus. It's part of the Mandalorian verse, and we also got the trailer for Moonfall. So, giving you guys at home the chance to pause this now if you want to go watch those before uh, we give our reaction. Uh, but let's start off with the I think the one that probably most people are excited to hear us talk about, and that is Moonfall. Now, let's talk about the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, so, Brad, let's start with you. What is your reaction to this trailer? Um, it's a solid introduction to the series. Uh, it, it makes it clear that this is going to be uh, a criminal underworld-based show, which is what I was hoping for. Uh, very excited to see Boba Fett taking over Jabba the Hutt's criminal empire and then seemingly trying to expand it by uh, working in cooperation with some of the other crime lords in the area. Uh, and it just has a real uh, mafia kind of uh, vibe to it. And I'm I'm just ready to see what this show has to offer. Yeah, no, it was, same here. Uh, it was cool to see all the different like Star Wars creatures and uh, different races. And there was even like a, a deep cut there. Like in the beginning, we see that spider thing. I don't know what it's called. In- it's, a, it's called a Biomar monk. And oh, yeah, yeah. because they are like a monk who is trying to achieve enlightening enlightenment who has they need to transform themselves into something that they could so they can isolate their minds so basically they're like brains and jars with walking spider uh, droid bodies do do we think that's like gonna be the canon (laughs) explanation for them or do you even think we'll even get any information on yeah i have a i have a feeling like they're not even gonna like dig into like what they're what they are it's probably just a nice little reference for people who remember that one lurking in the background of return of the jedi yeah it's interesting here that fed is trying to take a different approach than jabba 
He's trying to rule with cooperation rather than fear. And in that, he's hoping that all these people will work with him and not try to backstab him. Um, I guess my question is, like, we see him meeting with all of Jabba's old captains. Why would they work with him if, like, I'm assuming after Jabba got killed by Princess Leia, uh, spoiler alert for Return of the Jedi, uh, uh, I, I assume, like, the power vacuum that was mentioned in the last season of Mandalorian, I, I'm assuming some of these guys are already the ones controlling Tatooine? Yeah, I mean, it's so it seems like because uh, uh, Fennec Shan has a line in the trailer where she says, uh, all of you were once captains, you know, under the rule of Jabba the Hutt, which would imply that maybe Jabba the Hutt kind of knocked down their importance and their power because of how he held hold over the, the criminal underworld on Tatooine. So, you know, it sounds like maybe Boba Fett wants to kind of reinstate that and let them all have a little bit more power again, as long as they're willing to join in and work together to make everybody rich, you know, as yeah. opposed to everyone being against each other. So we have to assume when Bib Fortuna became the hut of Tatooine, or uh, whatever you want to call him, I guess he wasn't a hut, uh, the controller of Tatooine, the gangster of Tatooine, that these people probably lost their captain positions and now... Well, I don't know. I I actually wonder if, like, I mean, I would imagine whatever Jabba the Hutt was doing, Bib Fortuna probably tried to keep, you know, hold over and maybe didn't really change anything. So they probably, yeah, they probably just owed, like, uh, you know, more to, to Hutt from their own earnings and whatever criminal uh, activities they have going on. And now it seems like, you know, Boba Fett wants to change things up a little bit to make them all a lot more wealthy. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. There isn't a lot to go on on this trailer. This is kind of a teaser in so much as the last few Mandalorian trailers have kind of only shown footage from like the first couple episodes. And I would go so far to say as I wouldn't be surprised if all of this footage is actually from the very first episode. Yeah, because we don't see anything off planet. It's all seemingly on Tatooine and it all seems to be revolve around, uh, Boba Fett, uh, I can't talk. Boba Fett um, trying to rally these captains and rally all these people around. Like, you know, the, we saw, I don't know, there, there's a lot of different people. Like, there's an Ithorian here. I'm wondering if that could be Doc Ondar. Probably not. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Cause I, I went to look and see, and it, uh, he looks a little bit different than Doc Ondar, and he's not, not wearing like anything that's like similar to him. So, I, w- I mean, there's a possibility that maybe it's someone that could be related to Doc Ondar to create a, you know, a connection to Galaxy's Edge, you know, in a, in that way. But yeah, yeah that's clearly a, a crime, uh, one of the crime lords. And then um, it seems like their meeting probably doesn't go very well because there's a standoff where both Boba Fett and Fennec <laughs> Shan draw their blasters against his guards. So yeah. um, and then the meeting, you have you know, some of the uh, um, the species of Ponda Baba from the original Star Wars and um bosk species as well trendotions i think they're called yeah that was the first time that it occurred to me maybe we'll see bosk in the series it's possible i mean uh we haven't heard that he's met his demise or anything like that yeah. and so he's could could be out there it would be cool if we actually ended up seeing a lot of the other uh bounty hunters from empire strikes back still out there and and doing work by the way did you see there was a list of episode titles that uh, quote unquote leaked out about a month ago 
I don't think we reported it on SlashFilm.com because we didn't, uh, we couldn't get a confirmation on it from any of our sources. Uh, but did, did you see those titles, Brad? I didn't actually. I, I'm going to list the titles off because honestly, I don't believe them to be true. But this yeah, because in... I think there was a list of season two episodes that came out that wasn't accurate either, right? <laughs> for Mandalorian. Yeah. Although the ones for What If, I think, were pretty much dead on. So uh, this comes from Giant Freaking Robot. Um, the episode one title was going to be The Champion. Episode two was going to be The Assassin. Episode three, The Syndicate. Episode four, The Battleground. Five, The Homeworld. Six, The Warlord. And seven, The Showdown. And eight, The Hunter. Uh, you know, I mean, those those are vague enough where you could make them up and they could end up being accurate and they sound like they they would fit. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, so I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but in, in that whole exp- in, in that whole format, it seems like the syndicate would be like all these people he's meeting and stuff. Right. Actually, maybe not. It could be. Um... Yeah, it could be a, a, a different crime syndicate, a competing <laughs> crime syndicate, maybe something to do yeah. with Crimson Dawn. Yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering where this is going to go. Because, and how is this going to fit into the Mandalorian? Because it seems like all of this is, you know, it's going to go off in their own ways and then eventually come to a head at some point in this big crossover. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, But I'm excited for this. And, uh, oh, uh, one thing I wanted to mention is, yes, uh, Boba Fett is not wearing his helmet a lot in this trailer. (laughs) Yeah, a surprising amount. Yeah, Danielle wrote an article for Slash and said, sorry, but I'm still not used to Boba Fett not wearing his helmet at all times. And uh, I mean, there's explanations for this in, in canon and what why this would be. But it, it does seem weird that you would have someone who's such a great actor in The Mandalorian not be able to take off his helmet at all during that series or almost at all during that series. And then you have someone in this who's, I'm not going to insult anybody, but not as good of an actor and uh, gets to have his, I mean, I guess, you know, that's the way because he doesn't, uh, he's not a true Mandalore. So he doesn't believe in that tradition of having to wear the helmet. Yeah. So. And plus I, I wouldn't be surprised too, if Tamora Morrison was someone who wanted his face to be more visible, you know, if he was going to do this rather than being hidden under a helmet the whole time. Yeah. Well, well, some people would tell you that, uh, Pedro Pascal walked off the set of the Mandalorian season two, <laughs> never to return because of that. Brad, yeah, I I will say I I also was like uneasy about how much he was like not wearing his helmet, but then I saw the that crazy eyed expression he got when he starts fighting whoever those enemies are with the like the red holographic shields and the electrified. Uh, blades because yeah. man that is some wild-eyed rage and if that's what we get to see from boba fett without his helmet then i am all in yeah we also saw a moment where uh his helmet falls to the ground and it's almost it almost plays like that moment from attack of the clones attack of the clones yeah where jango yeah. fett's helmet fell but the interesting thing here is oh, we see all these credits fall out and if you pause it you can see there's a rebel alliance logo on the credits which is the first time we're seeing that i think in canon yeah, which is now the New Republic logo, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. Okay, anyways. Let, so, let, let, oh, one other thing I wanted to point out, um, oh. and you can go check out more in our breakdown, but I noticed that um, in the one of the early shots where you see Boba Fett putting on his helmet, if you look uh, over his shoulder on the right side, there's some kind of chamber that looks like 
what you would um, most easily describe as like a Star Wars version of a tanning bed. And I, it made me wonder if it was some kind of rejuvenation chamber or something, because if you remember when we saw Boba Fett um, in the second season of the Mandalorian, he, his skin looked a lot more like uh, dry and damaged, like he had been severely burnt or something like that. But as we see here in all this footage, his skin doesn't look like it's anywhere near in that bad of a condition. You can see some scarring uh, on his, on his face, but like his, actual like skin tone and like the uh the complexion and just how it looks it looks a lot more healthy so i wonder if he was a- is able to do something at the beginning of this first episode that kind of like uh heals him a little bit i i did not even notice that brad but uh th- that is funny because i'm sure the actor and the production were like you know we can't we don't do all this makeup around. all the time <laughs> yeah we don't want to sit around for hours every day as he gets put into his makeup or at very least, you know, make him wear his helmet more than. But yeah, okay. Let's move on to uh, put a link in the show notes to the breakdown. Uh, let's move on to Moonfall. This is the new film from uh, Roland Emmerich, and you know he's the guy that did Independence Day. He's the guy that did The Day After Tomorrow. Um, twenty twelve. What movie? Twenty twelve. Oh, twenty twelve. I forgot about that. That was the year that the movie that the world was going to end mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't happen. It turned out it happened uh, eight years later. And um, <laughs> okay, so Moonfall is uh, is the new uh, movie coming from him, and the trailer's out right now. And it stars Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson as a bunch of astronauts. And there's also a, a conspiracy theorist, and they all team up to. Attempt to save the world from total destruction as the moon is knocked out of orbit and is set on a collision course with Earth. And uh, if that doesn't sound bonkers enough, as it turns out, the moon is actually not the moon. It's an alien spacecraft that is hollow inside and it has these aliens that look like the Lost Monster, but like a nanotech version of the Lost Monster. And Brad, what is even going on here? Uh, I mean, a lot of fun, hopefully, because this just looks like a big, stupid blockbuster that makes me want to sit in a theater and just eat a bunch of popcorn and just check out for a little while. It looks uh, like a big, goofy, end-of-the-world Roland Emmerich movie that mixes uh, all the alien stuff from Independence Day with all the disaster stuff from The Day After Tomorrow, and I'm just, I'm here for it. But I feel like with a movie like this, the most appealing thing to me is I, I want to see the moon hit the earth and I want to see what happens when the moon hits the earth. And like the, the heroes of this are, are there to stop the moon hitting the earth. I mean, I guess there's, there's a lot of destruction that can be caused as the moon is coming towards the earth. You know, the moon is, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Brad, but in control of the tides and the ocean. And there's yeah. all sorts of things that could go wrong. But I want to see the moon hit the Earth, Brad. And like, the, I mean, it looks like we will. I, at least, like the footage shows the the moon pretty close to, to Earth. I think it's going to hit it at least and do some damage on part of it. So it's, this is going to be like Deep Impact or any of those movies where we like build an arc to get off the Earth to another planet or something. I don't know. I don't know. Depends on how fast it all happens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what is your reaction to this trailer? You, you just think it could be fun or could be horrible? both maybe you know we we've seen plenty of movies that are downright terrible but they're just so much fun to watch um it would be great if this was also good but i'm anticipating something that's just silly and enjoyable because of how ridiculous it is yeah 
You know, I, I was thinking as I was like watching this, and you know, Roland Emmerich loves to have his conspiracy theorists who, as it turns out, Brad, they were right all along and no one believed them mm-hmm. because it was so ridiculous. Do you think Roland Emmerich has any responsibility <laughs> for the way this world has gone? It's like, you know, having these characters in popularized entertainment, and now we have, you know, QAnon and we have like all these. Uh, anti-vaxxers and stuff like is is portraying conspiracy theorists in popular culture as the heroes bad for this world i mean no because like it i think it would depend on the conspiracy theory and if he were doing it on conspiracy theories that are like damaging to humanity (laughs) and the integrity of you know science and the government things like that but they've all been things tied to like hiding aliens and like uh, whether or not the moon landing uh, was real or if there was something that we don't know about it that happened while they were up there. And it's all stuff that like the theories have always been out there, you know, for decades now. So it's not anything new and he's just, you know, putting a spin on it for, for a fictional narrative. So I, I, when it comes to the conspiracy theories that are doing actual damage and are r- ridiculous out there in, in recent years, especially, I don't, I don't think that uh, we can, we can blame Roland Emmerich for that. <laughs> Hey, Brad, I want to I want to blame Roland Emmerich. So let, let, let me blame Roland. He's, he's a very nice man. I don't know why you would do this. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's move on to our final story of the day. And this is uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, you know, for the last couple of years, uh, there's been rumors of who the bad guy was going to be in this movie. And what was like the the one a couple i think cargill said something at a press screening nightmare i think yeah yeah nightmare was was supposed to be the villain when him and scott derrickson were still involved but apparently like things changed obviously so now we the villain has been revealed via merchandise so i think it's fair to talk about i don't think it's a spoiler it's going to be in merchandise (laughs) i could be wrong brad tell us about it yeah, so the, um, a picture of a uh, a puzzle has emerged online. I guess it's an early like promo pic for um, merchandise that's tied to the movie that's coming out next year. And pictured on it um, in an illustration, not necessarily in concept art or like an official image from the movie, uh, is Doctor Strange, and he is fighting this large, one-eyed, tentacled creature known as Shumagorath. Um, we've talked about Shumagorath before because it seemed like that character might have been uh, making an appearance in What If a couple times because there was a giant tentacled creature that Captain Carter and Doctor Strange uh, both had to fight. However, um, as I learned with in my conversation from uh, Ryan Minerding, uh, that that creature probably wasn't actually Shumagorath, but something that just kind of vaguely represented him. And maybe that is why... Uh, or maybe the reason for that is because Shumagorath is going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, we should point out that there are some times when uh, villains or certain characters or certain events are portrayed in merchandise, whether it's uh, shirts or puzzles or action figures and things like that, and they don't actually have anything to do with the movie. It's just like something that's being positioned as like a way to sell, you know, merchandise to fans who like Doctor Strange. And it's just slapped with the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness label because of synergy and cross-promotion and all that jazz. So um, it is possible that Shumagorath does not necessarily play a key role as the villain, but maybe makes an appearance, you know, as something that Doctor Strange has to deal with. I'm 
I'm skeptical as to whether or not Shumagorath will be like the primary villain um, of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but he's a very significant creature, uh, very powerful. Doctor Strange has tangled with him uh, in the past. He can do a lot of things besides being just a giant menacing creature. He can uh, manipulate reality and shapeshift and levitate and teleport and has a lot of mystical power because he's this extra dimensional being that is super powerful. So um, it would be kind of wild if they did lean into this, uh, you know, very Lovecraft inspired creature as, as the villain of a Dr. Strange movie, but this is the multiverse of madness after all. So anything is possible. Yeah. I was, I, I got really into Lovecraft a couple years back with some board. There's like a whole board game series of like Arkham Asylum and mansions of madness and a, a bunch of that whole series and uh, I mean, this character obviously isn't in it, but it, it's very Lovecraftian inspired. And obviously Lovecraft, you know, at Mountains of Madness is a, a book that H.P. Lovecraft uh, was the author of. And that was also something Guillermo del Toro was trying to bring to light. Uh, and, it, you know, this movie is called Multiverse of Madness. So I, I feel like it's very fitting that a Lovecraftian character would appear in this. Yes, so. that's a good point. Yeah. So um, it, it, one thing I also wanted to bring up is uh, we did this article. We've been doing these articles on the site uh, where we actually hire an online survey company. Uh, it, uh, I think it's like SurveyMonkey or so, one of those survey companies. And we actually put out a question to see at SurveyMonkey. And we, we put out a question to you know roughly 1,000 people. I think here it was like 600 random people. And we, we asked him a question, and the results are sometimes kind of interesting. Have you seen this one, Brad? Have you looked at yeah, it? Yeah, I have, and it's, it's very surprising. Okay, so the question was, which was the worst Phase 3 villain of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And uh, on, on the option was Mysterio, Dormammu, Dormammu. Uh, uh, Ego, Grandmaster, Vulture, Sertor and Hella. And of those options, Mysterio got 20% of the vote. Yeah, and that's the one that apparently people think was the least uh or not the least, the worst villain essentially in the the third Marvel Cinematic Universe phase. And Hella they like the most. I mean, I can understand why you'd like Hella, but Brad, why do you think people hated Mysterio? I actually liked Mysterio as a villain because that whole that whole turn was kind of uh, pretty well done. Yeah, I did too. I wish that there was like a thing where they included like maybe some answers and justifications as to why. Because I think uh, Mysterio is is a pretty great villain, and the way Jake Gyllenhaal portrays him and uh, what he brings to the table worked really well. And I feel like he's way better than Surtur. I don't know if Surtur just has some kind of like <laughs> groundswell of fans that are like, "No, I love this fiery demon," and Mysterio is bad. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand why Mysterio was just like kicked to the curb so much. Yeah. I wish people could enter in like a reason why when they vote, because this is just so strange to me that people don't like Mysterio. I guess everybody, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe they, they hate Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know how you can hate Jake Gyllenhaal. He's, he's done a lot of great work. He doesn't really seem to have anything. Uh, sullying his reputation, and he's he's great in the role as Mysterio. So maybe they're just upset that he led to the unmasking of Spider-Man as Peter Parker in that movie. 
It could right? be. It was that movie, right? It was. It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was mixing up my Spider-Man uh, movies for a second there in my head. And uh, yeah, so maybe maybe so, so many people love Tom Holland Spider-Man so much that they're so angry that it, he was the guy that led to the unmasking of Spider-Man. It's possible. Fans have done crazier things. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can check that out. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at Slash from the Com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Slash from the Com. And please write and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.